0: Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So, come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski.
1: And welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and I'm sitting here with Tom Dorian, my co-host Tom Yes, you're here. I am good, and I see we have a seat saved next to you. We do. Did you catch the uh, the in? Oh, I saved? know what you're
0: saying. I got it. I'm I'm a little sharper on the uptake than you think. I am. Are you really? Actually, you know what? I have my seatbelt already buckled. Do you? It's yeah. gonna be a wild ride, ladies and gentlemen. This will be the last time you'll hear from me on this show. I can tell you that right now.
1: <laughs> are you bouncing out? Oh no! I just know how you two are when you get together, so it's gonna we too. it's gonna be a ride. You're referring to our guest. I am. Well, our guest is here. And, what a treat. Uh, yeah, it's going to be great. We're talking about salvation, the Catholic understanding of salvation. We've mm-hmm. had a show on faith and works. Yes. Right? And now we're going to sort of continue in that vein, and we're going to talk a little bit about what do Catholics understand, and what, what do we mean by salvation? Great topic. What we're going to do is we're going to uh, invite our guest over. Our guest is Bob Nicholas. Hey,
0: Bob. Hey, guys. How are you doing?
1: Great. Welcome to the luxurious corner booth, Bob. It's, it's very plush. Thank He's you very much. He's firmly ensconced. <laughs> yes, he is. He is. Like, did you get my joke that we saved you a
0: seat? I, you know, um, it was very punful.
1: <laughs> it was punny. It was punny. <laughs> well, good. So, you is know, that a word, Bob. You, it is now. You <laughs> are going to help us uh, in explaining uh, what Catholics mean when they say to be saved. You know, we've all heard the expression. You know, with you, we've dreaded that knock on the door and say, "Excuse me, sir, is that your soul? I smell burning." And they say, uh, "Have you been saved?" You know, and uh, as Catholics, I think sometimes they tremble. You know, when St. Paul was talking about fear and trembling, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it was really because they were worried they would have to answer that question. I get that
0: deer in the headlights.
1: headlights. That's exactly right. So what we want to do is want to help folks out and help them understand what it means when a Catholic talks about salvation, and maybe if there's some difference in terms of how a non-Catholic Christian might uh, view salvation. You can help us do that, Bob? I would love to. Sounds great. Well, wonderful. So let's just jump in. And, you know, I'll tell you what. Before we do anything else, I know you fairly well. Tom knows you fairly well. But I think <laughs> the people listening might want to know more about you. And so why don't you give us a brief little... Uh, uh, you know, joyride down the life of Bob Nicholas. Joyride is but an we interesting only term. Have, we we <laughs> well, only now have you a couple We won't go down that road. We won't we, go down that. Okay. We do want to know, maybe where you came from. What was what was your faith life like? Uh, you know, as a child growing up.
0: Well, to be honest, I grew up in a, a home that really didn't have a faith. Uh, we attended church until I was about six or seven years old, and then apparently I became too much of a hassle, so we didn't go to church any longer. And the uh, Cheerios didn't work. The Cheerios the, didn't work. The cry room was non-existent. Um, but I was baptized as a Presbyterian as a child, and um,
1: would you, would would your parents have called you a Presbyterian at that no, point?
0: Or? No, I think uh, my mom was in the Catholic Church and left um, uh, before her first marriage, and my dad grew up Methodist, and I think they compromised with Presbyterian. Okay. Uh, I'm not quite sure how they arrived at that, but that's not where necessarily I mean, a theological not a theological compromise. compromise just just sort of geographic. There, that's it's entirely possible, <laughs> uh, and so uh, grew up uh, with with no real foundation per se. Um, when I got into high school, uh, a very close friend of mine was the son of a uh, Baptist minister, and I attended his youth group and went to different activities. And he was very uh, adamant at evangelizing me. And so, uh, oh, is it a
1: Southern Baptist.
0: It's a Southern Baptist okay. Convention church, yes. Um, in so Gregory, Michigan. So now you're Michigan. probably
1: being presented with a very concrete uh, understanding of what salvation meant. Very
0: clear. Uh, very much a personal Lord and Savior. Accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Um, Uh, altar call, you know, uh, a very uh, uh, Baptist-focused theology. And um, uh, primarily they centered around Romans one seventeen in their church, which is uh, the righteous shall live by faith, which is the short version of it.
1: Well, let's read uh, Romans one seventeen. It says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. As it is written, he who through faith is righteous shall live. And you wanted to live, didn't you?
0: I wanted to live very much, sort of. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I understand. <laughs> they, to a certain degree, right? To a certain
0: degree. As long as it didn't mean giving up any of my vices at the time. You uh, didn't call uh, them vices. I didn't call them. I called them pleasures at the time. Yeah,
1: I understand. <laughs> and, so, and so we have often heard that story. <laughs>
0: yes. Uh, so sort of um, had that minimal theology in, in, embedded. And then as I moved on into college, um, didn't really think anything else of it. Uh, no real faith foundation until I uh, had a very close experience in the hospital, uh, right. which caused me to question sort of. Life's purpose and and, and life's expanse and, and what are we here for? Uh, and had a friend give me a tract for uh, from Campus Crusade for Christ that, that asks you, "How sure are you that you're going to get into heaven?" And there's a scale of one to ten. Um, I asked to borrow a pen because I had to write in negative numbers (laughs) (laughs) in order to make it a real uh, factual answer. Uh, I wasn't quite on the scale. Did you have to turn that in Uh, You know, uh, that still resides in my Bible. (laughs) I have not given that to anyone else. Um, But that caused me to sort of start searching for truth. You know, what is truth? If heaven is is where truth resides, what is that truth that we know while we're on earth? And so... I understand um, that you
1: uh, you went venturing, though, quite I literally.
0: Uh, very, very literally. Ann Arbor, Michigan um, is where I was at the time, and, and I attended about 25 different um, non-denomination or, or Protestant denomination 25. churches. It's about 25. I never really did sit down and write them all out, but I could count on my hands up to at least 23, 24, and I know it exceeds that. I also... Um, Dove in and read a little of the Koran, um, studied spiritual humanism, uh, went to a Buddhist temple, and checked that out. Um, really, just in search of truth, and uh, never considered the Catholic Church ever.
1: Well, of course so that, not. That no. wasn't part of the 25 No, well,
0: you know, I, yeah, no, I didn't count that in the twenty-five. Wow. I just never sort of had a, a pursuit of that church. It's kind of interesting.
1: I mean, is your is your was your mom involved at all in this uh, spiritual pursuit n- of truth for n- you?
0: No, uh, my parents weren't involved at all. In fact. Um, they to this day don't attend church and, and really don't have a faith in the home uh, okay. whatsoever. So I'm the uh, I'm the outcast in the family. The black <laughs> sheep. The black sheep. Um, actually, no. It's it's been a very healing thing to be in the church for my family. So that's very good. But my parents still still do not attend or, or have any kind of faith life.
1: And we're all on a different faith journey. We don't that's know right. where everyone's gonna. Uh, decide they're going to want to get on the train or not get on the train. But we all have that option all the way through our entire life. And that's, that's kind of right. what we're talking about in this show. We're talking about salvation and being saved and what it means for a Catholic uh, to be saved versus what it means to a, a non-Catholic, a Protestant, or, or any other uh, Christian denomination to be, to be saved.
0: Exactly. And I think what it came down for me was every church that I went to um, – Deacon Jeff was was very clear on saying, if you do one, two, and three, well, then you are saved. And we, you know, there's a lot of terms that we can talk about, but let's just compress it and say saved.
1: Right. Well, and I just want to be clear on that because I I know whenever I'm talking to folks about this very topic, I want to make sure we all understand that there are different ways to say some of the same things. And sometimes when you say something, you may think you're saying one thing, but you're saying something totally different to another person because it's like another language. That's very true. Uh, And there's several words, salvation, justification, sanctification, redemption, righteousness, holiness. And when you use these words to one person, you might be saying something totally different to another. Exactly. And sometimes I think, you know, it's actually better if we eliminate those words. And I think you described it best when you're talking about, look, we're just talking about getting to heaven.
0: Yeah, we're we're really the ultimate purpose for a church's existence is to help its parishioners get into heaven right and we can't always
1: carry a lawyer with us to help us describe and understand these terms So it's always good to actually just right let's let's set on a goal and the goal is to be with god forever
0: right exactly and so each of these churches sort of has a a variant on their definition of how that occurs you know whether that is you uh, pray the sinner's prayer and, and and accept jesus as your personal lord and savior as a singular act or whether it's an ongoing conversion or You know, it sort of depends on each church as to what their process entails. And um, ultimately it came down for me that I couldn't wrestle with this singular act um, being an immediate change because I may have, you know, maybe I participate in that act at a particular church, but I'm not free from my... Uh, concupiscence. I'm not free from my temptation. I'm not free from these things that I would think, if uh, all of that has been wiped away, I would be free from. And so I continue to sin. I continue to have these problems. Why is that? And and I, I never could nail down. Okay, now I'm going to heaven for sure. I, I just could never be comfortable with that.
1: So now we're really talking about now the concept of the assurance of salvation that so many folks have. And that was like essentially that track that you were talking about correct. early on, the your 1 to 10 or your negative 10 to right. positive 10 scale that you uh, created for that. Could you know that you're going to heaven? Right. And I know that there's actually a very big fundamental difference between the way certain Protestants would view are you sure you're going to heaven? And the way a Catholic would view, are you sure you're going to heaven?
0: I think there's a dynamic difference between the two. And, um, and the tract that we that we speak of, actually, the next question is, is uh, would you like to be sure of your salvation, or would you like to be sure that you're going to get into heaven? And um, Well,
1: how would a Catholic answer that question? Because you're asked that question, and if you were a Catholic at the time, how would you answer that question? Would you know how to answer that question?
0: Well, now I would know how to answer that question, and I think my answer would, uh, would revolve around the fact that Uh, can we really be sure if we're not the one being, if we're not the one making the judgment, you know, do we want to presume? Well, there is
1: the, there is the sin of presumption. Right. And that's, that's spoken specifically in the Bible, several places. And
0: and we don't want to uh, exclude all the verses that say that um, people can uh, hear the truth and and see the light and still fall away. I mean, there are plenty of examples of that in the new Testament. Well,
1: We're going to get to that in a second. I think, I think you're exactly right about the, uh, the fact that we don't want to presume. One of the things I like to say when someone says, you know, Do you want to be sure that you're going to heaven or or can you be sure you're going to heaven? What I would say is, you know, I would rather rest in the assuredness or I'd rather be, I can say, I can be sure that God is merciful. Absolutely. That's, Absolutely. The, that's the surety that I have. And so if I continue to pray for God's mercy because I'm sure that he is merciful, then I'll, I'll, I'll trust in his judgment. Absolutely. I'll leave it up to God. Mm-hmm. But that still puts a lot of responsibility on me to do something about True. living my life. Correct? You
0: have to live your life according to his, his grace and his love. And I think that's the big thing, big thing for me was... If we truly are saved, if we truly are participating in the grace of, uh, of Christ, then our life should manifest the, the behaviors or the works that would reflect that inner grace and that inner life with Christ. And that, that's what I couldn't wrestle with was people saying that they were saved. And yet when the question comes up, you know, well, if, you're, if you go into church and you become saved and you go out and you commit sin, are you still saved? And no one really has a definite answer for me uh, that I could wrestle with. And so for me, I had to say my behaviors have to reflect what i believe in
1: well that's awesome and, and and of course i think we want to reiterate that this is your personal journey you're True. speaking from the heart this is what this is what bob nicholas thinks mm-hmm. and we should give them your email address if they want to disagree with you <laughs> they can send you an email
0: i think contacting you would be smarter
1: that's a good idea <laughs> in fact speaking of which that's wonderful i do want to remind folks that you can contact me at Deacon Jeff at the catholiccafe.com so i want everyone to stay with us because we got lots more about salvation with bob nicholas coming right up
2: I'm Beth Strzemsky, and this is another great moment in church history. For nearly 2,000 years, since the time of Jesus, there have been questions, doubts about God's plan of salvation. Even recently, documentaries have cropped up which offer many and varied theories about Jesus, who He was and what He did. They provide historical experts with many facts, figures, and archaeological findings, plus dramatic reenactments and scientific reconstructions, all of which serve to cast a daunting shadow of doubt over the ancient and true teachings of the Church. So where is our hope, our assurance, in this sea of doubt? What can we be sure about? Well... We can be sure that God our Father loved us so much that He sent His only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to take upon His shoulders the full weight of the combined sins of all the world, past, present, and future, and die on the cross for them. Jesus, being God incarnate, is the perfect sin offering to God. His glorious resurrection triumphed over death and, once and for all, opened the gates of heaven to each of those who would walk in His way. But for all of this to be true, to be assured of our hope for salvation, the act of the resurrection must be true. It cannot be a theoretical concept or a fanciful dream, and it cannot be symbolic. If this were the case, then our hope in salvation would also be theoretical, fanciful, and symbolic. That is why the Catholic Church has always taught that the resurrection is real, not a myth. The Holy Father, Pope Benedict XVI, confirmed that the resurrection, in his words, is not a theory, but historical reality. In his Easter address, he said, It is neither a myth nor a dream, it is not a vision or a utopia, it is not a fairy tale, but it is a singular and unrepeatable event. Jesus of Nazareth, Son of Mary, who at dusk on Friday was taken down from the cross and buried, has victoriously left the tomb. Because Christ overcame death in this manner, in a physical and real way, we can be assured in our hope for the eternal joys of heaven. This is something we can believe in, something we can hold on to, but as the Church teaches, that is not enough. For our part, we must act on our faith. As St. Paul tells the Colossians, In my flesh, I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. What is lacking in Christ's afflictions, his saving work on the cross, is our participation Jesus has opened the door but we must walk through it I'm Bess Zimski, and this is the greatest moment in church history
0: welcome back
1: to the Catholic Cafe here's Deacon Jeff and welcome back to the Catholic Cafe I'm Deacon Jeff and we're still sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe Tom you still buckled in? I'm still buckled in it's wonderful. And hey, do we have a waitress today to help we us do. out? We do. We do. Martha, that? as a matter of fact. Martha? Martha. She wanted us to be sure to give her a shout-out. So there you go, Martha. So we've been talking about the Catholic understanding of salvation, and mm-hmm. we've specifically been referring to uh, this concept of the assurance of salvation. So we want to continue on that track of, you know, understanding does a Catholic believe once saved, always saved? You have this assurance. You're going to heaven once you've made that profession of faith. Maybe before we do that, maybe we should just try to tackle just a little bit the catholic understanding of what salvation is
0: i think that's a great idea i think that um there's a lot of misconceptions with regard to that topic both within the church and those that uh would see the church from the outside um it's important to remember that we believe that christ's sacrifice is a once and for all act that we don't believe that he has to uh, be re-sacrificed or that uh, the mass for instance is not a re-sacrifice it's a participation in that once and forever act and um, that's something important to remember because God is timeless, and therefore we're participating in that, you know, now and and in the past and in the future. And so yeah, we
1: live a linear life. Obviously, correct. we start at year zero and we go to year whatever we live to. Mm-hmm. But the mass is actually just we're just re-presenting correct that sacrifice correct. We're just revisiting mm-hmm. that event
0: absolutely. And, and I think along with that, as we as we sort of. Touch on the sacraments just a very uh, little bit to remember that the grace that we need to get into heaven is provided uh, wholly at our baptism. Um, once we are baptized, uh, as we read in the Bible with the baptism of uh, of Christ in the Jordan uh, and John's testimony, we have everything that we need at that point. We are open to the life of Christ, and um,
1: ah, again, but we also have free will, do we not?
0: We do have free will. In fact, the Catechism references free will uh, in chapter uh, in paragraph eighteen sixty one. Uh, it says mortal sin is a radical possibility of human freedom. And I think that um, when we talk about the Catholic view of salvation, it's important to remember that we can choose our destiny. We we choose whether or not we go to heaven. We choose whether or not we go to hell based on our actions. And um, while we would want to well, choose... our
1: actions would demonstrate our Correct. decision to go to heaven or to go to hell. Correct. Yes, yeah, right. so it's judgment- a reflection of right. our
0: inner belief. It's a reflection of what it is that we have in our heart. sort of that personal Lord and Savior... Uh, mentality, that we, we accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, and then we act upon that. And if we choose not to act upon that, well, then we will be judged accordingly.
1: Well, so in terms of one saved, always saved, a Catholic would view it not in those terms. A Catholic would say, yes, it's wonderful if you had, for instance, my own personal story. I mean, I had a born-again experience. Mm-hmm. And I thank God for that opportunity, and I thank God for the Protestant that helped me through that time in my life when I was spiritually barren and needed to have Jesus desperately in my life. And so I had an experience that brought me closer to Jesus. But as I understand it now, it was actually my baptism that actually was what initiated me that brought me into the family of God, into the realm of those who were chosen.
0: Absolutely. You're brought into the family at that point. And, and, and the remainder of your life is simply a, a reflection of what's going on inside. You know, while you're still open to that grace, uh, we can sin and choose to uh, cut ourselves off. And um, even Paul, as we read in the Bible, uh, realizes that he chooses sort of how to believe, uh, behave in life and how, how he should live his life, and he doesn't presume that um, automatically he's going to heaven just because he believes in Jesus. Even Paul? Even Paul. Wow. In fact, Tom, would you read this for us? Sure. This is from 1 Corinthians. I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then every man will receive his commendation from God. It's wonderful to hear Paul say, he will bring to light the things now hidden in the darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Mm -hmm. You know, when we talk about that, that, accepting jesus christ as our personal lord and savior sort of that i'm being saved i've been saved um well your heart is really where we can talk about that decision being made if we think about our own human bodies and god will reveal what our heart's true desire is based you know and, and he will uh help us reflect on our actions and, and our and our faith and our beliefs and, and how we practice our faith and how we love one another and he will help us to show the real inner desire of our heart have we truly converted? to the will of christ and, and to the, the christ-like manner that he calls us to or are we uh still living the sins of the flesh in in blindness
1: and i also love that saint paul in that in that same verse we, we read therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time before the lord comes so it's obvious that don't just assume don't presume because things can change it's it's said that you know it's from a catholic perspective that that god loves us he did what he did because he wants us to come and live with him forever. That's true. But he doesn't want potted plants. Correct. If he could decorate his throne with all these potted plants where people that were had no free will that were forced to mm-hmm. pay him homage if he wanted to. But he doesn't. He wants us to come to him freely to accept his gift, the, the gift of Jesus. And so that's why we think free will is so important. And for free will to take place, for it to really be free will... You have to assume or you have to acknowledge the fact that you can lose your salvation. You can I'll just say it this way. You never lose the gift that God has given you of salvation. That door <laughs> is open. But you can choose not to walk through it. Absolutely. You can turn your back on God.
0: Absolutely. Um, Paul writes also in Ephesians chapter 2, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. So you're absolutely right. It is a gift. But as we read in, in Corinthians... Uh, that, that Tom so eloquently read for us, <laughs> that um, Paul doesn't presume that this gift is, is, uh, is an automatic. You, know, you are not just given this gift and then that's it. It's over. You're, you're going to heaven now, no matter what you do. Um, he realizes and recognizes that Christ's grace in our life and, and, and the, conf- the, the conforming of our will to that of God's is an ongoing process, is a conversion that is an every day, every minute of every day process. And, and, and I think it's beautifully written as you read through his letters to the various communities how he explains how you, you need to live your life.
1: Well, let's look at how he uh, addressed the Philippians in, uh, in chapter 3, verses 10 through 12 of uh, his letter to the Philippians. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that if possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I mean, he's saying it right there. I'm not going to pronounce judgment before it's done. He's saying that I haven't already obtained this. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that I have. I'm not saying that I haven't. Right. But I'm not saying that I have. And that's, that's, that would be the sin of presumption. You're in heaven, basically. You're standing here on earth, and you're already in heaven. And based on what Paul's done in the Philippians, it's like, hold on now. Mm-hmm. The race isn't over yet. In his words, but I must press on to make it my own.
0: And I think it's important when you've used the word presumption a few times, as have I, and I think it's important to uh, distinguish there are two purposes or two uh, elements of presumption that we can talk about that the Catechism uh, mentions in paragraph 2092. And it says there are two kinds of presumption. Either man presumes upon his own capacities or he presumes upon God's almighty power or his mercy. And so it's important to recognize that we can neither presume we are capable, or that God, um, that He's automatically going to receive us into heaven regardless. Uh, we want to live our lives according to His grace, in hope that we will receive salvation in the end.
1: And we have the assurance of that hope. That's I mean, absolutely we right. can be assured in God's mercy, like I've said before. That's absolutely true. Now, there are other places in Scripture where we where we read that if we've got this this knowledge uh, of the light of the truth. We can lose it. We can turn our backs on it. In fact, let me read a little bit from Second uh, Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 20 through 21. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overpowered. The last state has become worse for them than the first. You know, and obviously what, what, what's going on here is if you've been saved, if you've seen the light you still have the opportunity to turn your back on the light. Mm -hmm. You can get entangled in the world again. And that's what we're being warned against. And also the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 26 through 27. For if we sin deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins But a fearful prospect of judgment and a fury of fire, which will consume the adversaries. That's not a pretty sight. But the point is, you've been given the gift of light. You've received it, it says here in Hebrews. After you've received it, not just witnessed it or read about it, you've received it. You've had the light, and you turned your back on it. You turned the light switch off. Absolutely. And so that's a warning, a shot across the bow, that don't just assume or presume that you know where you're going.
0: Let me throw one other little twist in there, Deacon Jeff, and say that uh, even Christ says this and, and, and articulates this in Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 21. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And so even from the words of Christ, we hear that not everyone who proclaims to believe will enter into the kingdom of heaven. There is a greater
1: uh, judgment that takes place, and how do we know that that person believes? We don't know the heart of that person. It's not only for God us to know. does. That's true. However, we can see that people can demonstrate their belief through the acts that they mm-hmm. that they choose to perform or not to perform.
0: It's very important to remember that. Uh, if we truly say i believe in you lord I, I accept you as my personal lord and savior that my life will manifest that belief my uh, behavior will show and reflect the joy that i have inside
1: that's wonderful bob thank you so much for joining us today thank I, you for I, having I hope me. this has been an enlightening show for for our listeners to help understand the uh, the Catholic teaching about salvation. I know we're going to have lots more show, shows like this on this very topic uh, to help people further understand what the church teaches, especially Catholics. A lot of Catholics don't know how to answer those questions, and that's what we're here for is to help our Catholics, but also to help those who are interested in finding out more about what the Catholic church teaches. So thanks for being here, Bob.
0: Thank you very much for having me. I very much enjoyed it.
1: Well, Tom, let's close in prayer like we always do. Tom, you want to lead us in prayer?
0: Sure, Dick and Jeff.
1: Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, which we are about to receive. (laughs) I threw Tom under the bus. (laughs) I saw it drive by. I'm sorry, Tom. I I did trick you, and I put you on the spot. I know the prayer is my job. So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all the gifts you've given us. We thank you for the gift of our families, our friends. We thank you for the gift of the world and all the things that you've provided so that we can nourish ourselves, so that we we can see you in all of creation. Father, we especially thank you for the gift of your Son, your Son sent solely to save us, to be like us in all ways except for sin. We ask you to open our hearts that we might accept your Son, accept what he did for us, and therefore accept your gift of love and mercy and allow us to come and live with you forever in heaven. We ask all this in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.